the Agile Empath Podcast Season 5, Episode 3 on Organizational Culture. If you have not listened to Episodes 1 and 2, listen to them before you hear this one. We have a newsletter paid and um, you can subscribe for free with archived content for life coaching curriculum. Um, I also have some books for purchase and online classes and you will see where you can find this online course with the full slide deck and resources. And throughout the pandemic shutdown, for the first few months, Wharton Executive Education was having weekly webinars. And boy, I felt so privileged to have that opportunity. And I heard the different professors speak 30 minutes at a time each week. One professor had done some research on anxiety. And I loved that he was a white middle-aged male. And because sometimes it's harder for men, we have gender differences, you know, to admit anxiety. And there's a lot of stigma around that word. They may want to say stress. You know, I've had them say that to me. Uh, as a therapist, I've worked with a lot of people and I've seen them let that guard down and be real. It's, you feel weak when you use anxiety, but it feels a little more empowering to say fear or stress. He used the word anxiety. He did research about anxiety. He found that it was linear in the brain, that when we tell ourselves anxiety turned to excitement, that literally the brain can shift and that it's easy to do. It's just we have to do the work to say, I choose to be excited and not anxious. He ended the webinar saying a lot of people are anxious and it's, um, you'd be surprised how many people are anxious. I so appreciated that because as a mental health practitioner, I know I've seen it, but we don't show that to each other and we don't talk about it. And so I appreciated that he is teaching leaders and he himself is admitting to anxiety. And it doesn't mean he has a mental health uh, diagnosis. It's just really with everything going on in the world, it's normal to be anxious and it's normal to be afraid and it's normal to be angry. Uh, and so before you think, no, nah, I'm not going to risk it, you might be really surprised going to your leader and requesting something like this. What about emotions at work and the research? So we've talked about the thoughts and the beliefs. What about those feelings? We can measure emotions and outcomes. The degree of freedom of expression of love increases engagement of employees, also positively affecting patients and their families. There are studies in a long-term care setting and seven other industries. Okay, so love at work. Sigal Barsad, I took her class at Wharton and she did this research with collaborators. And they broke down love into affection, caring, compassion, and tenderness in a long-term care facility. Uh, so this is a place with patients and caretakers and the families of the patients. Um, and so they found um, a high degree of emotional intelligence was raised when they practiced those four components of love to the point that even the patient's families 
had an increase um, in well-being. And so it literally built these four components of emotional intelligence in the staff because the staff was caring for one another. And it started with the employees. Our thinking is when it comes to culture and how we're driving strategy, we have to take care of that customer at the cost of the employee. And what we're teaching here is take care of the employees, build their emotional intelligence, and do that by having them focus on love at work, caring for each other, kindness. You're going to build skills in self-awareness, self-regulation, awareness of others and their emotions, and relational skills. They didn't just stop at the healthcare. They went across seven industries and found the same results. So how do we manage change? There is actually a model. Okay, so we go through this and it's normal. So before you think what's wrong with me, have self-compassion because anything that happens, we're going to experience shock. Boy, when we had that shutdown initially, it was unexpected, it was disruptive, it altered reality, and we had the fight, flight, or freeze. And it was like, could this really be happening? And we didn't expect it to last very long, and it's still lasting um, with the effects. We feel angry. Uh, we saw a lot of anger expressed in 2020. Um, defensive. The basis is fear and sadness, and we feel more comfortable with anger because it feels powerful, but we really need to get to the root of fear and sadness. We will rationalize, so we'll deflect, project, blame, we'll minimize the impact. So we've seen a lot of that in the context of COVID-19, that we have blamed governments for decisions, and we still do. Um, And that's part of this change process. Acceptance. Okay, so maybe things weren't handled perfectly. I see this country did things differently and is still doing things differently than that country. In the U.S., we see one state doing things very differently than other states. My brother is in California, very different than Tennessee, how they're handling things. Um, so it, California has been more shut down. Uh, they have been fined for um, not doing things like churches were being fined for having services uh, in Tennessee. They tried. I think the mayor of Chattanooga tried, and there was such outrage from the people, they backed away from doing that. So am I going to focus on all that, or am I going to let it go because really I can't control it? I can say what I'm going to say, and boy, have I written some letters, and it's helped me because, okay, I did what I can do about it, and I'm just going to accept it and have peace of mind and heart, and I'm going to keep that hope. So keeping that hope is an active practice and decision. And if you want a workforce that is thriving, and if you want to drive your strategy with culture and get through this positively, you need to take your team through this. And people are going to be in different stages, and they may go through all stages in one day, just depending, you know, how much are they listening to the news? Um, How much is what's happening at home affecting them? Um, Did something happen that was unexpected? 
So we went through initial layoffs and furloughs in the U.S. And so the beginning of 2021, um, I have heard of companies laying off and saying 300 out of our workforce cut. You cut five from your team. No choice. Who are you going to cut? So how we do that is really important. And it seems like, could this still be happening, that we're still having an effect? Yes. Uh, so the corporations are continuing to cut. Well, how are you going to lay off that person? Um, because the position's cut. You're not returning. It's no furlough. Uh, what kind of severance? How are you going to communicate? Uh, how are you going to keep that I'm focused on your well-being as a human being? I care about you, even though your position has been cut. That is so key because it's normal to be mad. I don't know if you've ever been laid off. I have been. And it's normal to be angry. And if those leaders laying you off do not communicate caring, it's going to be really hard to have a narrative that they care about me. Um, and so it's very important to be intentional how we do it. And that's something that I've heard a lot um, from Harvard and the Wharton webinars. It's not where we work, it's how we work. So, and people are saying, are we going to go back to offices? What's going to happen to the buildings? Um, and they're saying, don't focus so much on that. It's how we're going to do things. And that's very abstract. And they're still trying to figure it out. So when I say change is constant, it is going to be constant. You know, I heard in one webinar, Peter Capelli was from Wharton was talking to Harvard and he was saying, so the CEOs of these corporations are saying, why should I pay you if you did your job, you're sitting at home and then you go walk the dog? Well, normally at work, we wouldn't be taking so many breaks or playing with the kids or managing their online school at home. There wouldn't be all these breaks and disruptions. So why should I have to pay for that is their thinking. And they're thinking Uber style employment where you're paid when you work. So kind of like making us all consultants. Now that he was sharing, that's what he's hearing. And I'm not saying that's how it's going to be because we don't know. We don't know what's going to work best. And that's why I'm saying this model of change, how we do it is so key because a lot is out of our control and decisions are being made above us. So empathy is really important because anytime we have change, we have anxiety and it's normal to be anxious with change. So this is perspective taking. It's not my perspective. We're always focused on ourselves. And so learning empathy is so important in how to lead with healthy culture. Uh, take the other person's viewpoint. Avoid judging them. We may not understand it, and we judge. We judge so easily. So I'm not going to judge. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to recognize that person's emotions. And maybe I wouldn't have this kind of response. Maybe I, I, you know, this doesn't bother me. Why does it bother you? We're all unique. We all have pain points uh, that are unique to ourselves. Communicate understanding. Feel with the person. Don't say at least... 
at least it's not this that bad or it could be worse say it sounds like you're in a hard place tell me more here in the south in the united states people will say bless your heart that's so patronizing and if you've done this we all have so give yourself self-compassion we're learning love sets boundaries has difficult conversations and says, this is how we're gonna handle it. We're gonna put the employee's safety first. So um, if an employee is having a customer be hostile towards them, you know, it's important for them to have that safety psychologically to say, I'm gonna have to go get my leader. And for the leader to actually have the freedom to set boundaries and say, thanks for coming to our business. We won't be able to serve you because are we going to tolerate all behavior? Are we going to let our employee be abused by the public, you know, if they're dealing with the public? Because the public right now is very anxious and very afraid, and that's fueling the anger. And we're not trained to understand that the roots of anger are fear and sadness. We're not learning this, um, and we need training on this. That's why we have this course, and that's why it's so important to share this course with your friends and colleagues, uh, because we need to understand this about people. People are going to present as very angry, and we want to have safety first psychologically and physically for that employee. That's what healthy culture does. Dealing with differences, it's not your interpretation or my interpretation, it's our interpretation because we intersect at different sections. We're gonna choose not to focus on differences, but appreciate one another in an inclusive way. Okay, so being optimistic, we wanna touch on this. Do something in a positive way it has nine times return of investment than fixing problems. So being proactive with positivity. Coaching with personal power rather than your position because we're human beings and we respond to connection and we're relational. And again, social norms create change. Instead of focusing on wanting more money or a promotion, have the mindset how can I add more value to the team? So that's our mantra. How can I add more value? And say it. I'm here to add value to this conversation. We create. People grow. We have to do this. Okay, so we're extracting value from people. We wanna create value. So this is the example. Be in the business to grow people. We get to do this. Chick-fil-A is in the leadership development business, not the chicken business is what they'll tell you. So we're not extracting value of you're gonna sell for us and we're gonna get the profit. No, we're in this together. We get to do this together. We're growing and learning something while we sell the chicken. Okay, so everybody has bias. We've noticed that. And I'm gonna give you a tip because this is so important with culture. Uh, where it's a hot topic right now around the world is bias. Notice your bias. 
shift to a moment of gratitude because that is what rewires the brain. Savor the thought. Create positive thoughts around the event. Okay, so you're catching that bias. You're expressing gratitude because it's going to put your brain at positive, and then you're going to add to that thought process. Um, so you're going to say, okay, I'm Greek. So you may say about a Greek person, um, I had a bad experience with Alexia, and she's Greek, but it doesn't mean that all people who are Greek exhibit that behavior. That's what we're talking about. Create the culture you want with management of teams that will drive strategy, creating culture competencies in your leadership team. Strategy, it's culture for breakfast. Drive your strategy with culture. What does that mean? Our priority needs to be to change our beliefs, specifically beliefs about people, because organizations are made of people. Okay, so I'm closing with this. Beliefs can cost billions. And before you say, really? Yes. Okay, so case example, General Motors in the 1980s. Now, I'm saying this in 2021. It's being recorded when we're about to see a lot of jobs automated. So we're definitely in a different place. But this was back in the 80s. GM believed that Toyota's workers in Japan were just so much better than ours in the U.S. Now, this is something that I've studied because I was raised believing that people from Asia were smarter when it came to math um, and they were smarter than Americans. And as a population, because of this, um, we were told that people from Asia were smarter. Now, when you study this, there was recent research from Stanford University, and what they found was in the U.S., we are taught with a fixed mindset in our academics. The only exception is sports. We're taught with a growth mindset, meaning you can do it, keep applying yourself. In places like China, the youth are taught growth mindset in academics, so keep applying yourself until you can learn it. So that's why there's a difference. It's not genetic. It's not racial. One race is not smarter than the other, but they believe that. And so they said, we have lazy workers. It's not like the workers in Japan. So we're going to bring in robots to replace as many workers as, as possible. They spent $43 billion putting robots in their factories. More than the entire value of Toyota Motor Company at that time. So General Motors could have bought Toyota for the amount of money they spent putting robots in the plants to get rid of workers. So the story goes on that they learned that it was management, how we manage people, how we interact with the employees, the autonomy we give them. So an example was they realized, and the light bulb came on through observing practices from Toyota management, uh, that at the General Motor factories, there was no autonomy for the frontline worker. When there was a mistake happening, they, the worker couldn't stop the conveyor belt. And so all this damage was being done by the time they got a hold of a supervisor who could stop things and had the authority. In Japan, the frontline workers saw something was going awry and they stopped it to prevent any further damage. So when we started different management and leadership practices, that's when General Motors brought back the workforce, some of the same employees, 
trained differently and saw huge success. So that concludes our season five series on organizational culture. Please like, share, and subscribe. I'm a life coach, author, speaker, and university non-credit instructor. Please visit my website, theresilientpathway.com. We have resources, life coaching curriculum, books, online classes. I'm also available for team building on Zoom and in person and speaking engagements, virtual, hybrid, in person. You can reach me at alexia at theresilientpathway.com. That's A-L-E-X-I-A at theresilientpathway.com.